0: Welcome to the Ghosts and Folklore podcast. I'm Mark Royce, and on each episode, I investigate a different, weird, and wonderful subject. And on this episode, we are going to explore some terrifying accounts of supernatural dogs that hunted in the night sky, that hunted in the dark forests below, that hunted in packs, that hunted alone. And, in what has to be one of the most bizarre accounts on this podcast, and there's been many bizarre accounts, but in one of the strangest cases to date, we are going to look at the case of a dog that was half dog, half something else, and the description alone is enough to make your hair stand on end. At least, I hope so. And so, to begin at the beginning... And regular listeners might remember that back on episode 134, I looked... the supernatural dogs connected with the wild hunt in Wales. And don't worry if you missed that episode, I will bring everyone up to speed quickly now. And of course, you can go back and check it out after this one. But back on episode 134, we looked at the Coon Anun, the hounds of the underworld, who are led by their master as they chase people on certain nights of the year, like Halloween and various saints nights. And these wild hunts that they went, on as they were called were as the name suggests hunts and they were wild if you can picture a boar hunt or a deer hunt but the dogs and the people doing the hunting are big scary supernatural creatures you get the rough idea but they weren't the only creatures they weren't the only dogs that were out and about hunting on these special occasions they were joined by all manner of Curious characters such as Masht a Norse, Matilda of the Night, a screaming banshee-like figure who drove on the hounds. And dogs weren't the only animals, there were horses ridden during these processions, which are described as coal black with fiery eyes that glow like furnaces. And there were, of course, dogs, which is the whole point of this episode. See, I said I'd get you up to speed nice and quickly. There were, of course, dogs. And while the dogs hunting on the grounds and in the forests and through the dark lanes were known as the Coon Anun, they were not the only dogs on the prowl. There were dogs called the Coon Weber, which can be spelt slightly differently. It's W-Y-B-Y-R or W-Y-B-I-R which does change the pronunciation slightly and I'm probably going with the wrong one here but I'm going to go with kuhn Weber. and the Kuhn-Wieber hunted the skies and they did not do so quietly in fact their howl rang through the heavens and when I say it was a sound that signaled death that is in a literal sense because the howl of the kuhn Weber was believed to be a death omen. Yes, a good old death omen, a popular subject on this podcast. In fact, the last episode was dedicated to death omens. And folklore tells us that, in several instances and districts, the Kun Anun the dogs of the underworld whose haunts were solitary woodlands ravines and lonely valleys had rivals in the coon weber the dogs of the sky whose clamorous noises in various keys were startling indications of disaster so to hear the cry of the coon weber of these dogs of the sky was an ominous unavoidable prophecy that somebody was going to die this was the sound of a death omen and we are told the cries of both dogs resembled those of hounds and huntsmen in full chase and their voices were like those of great hounds or bloodhounds sounding in the night very deep and hollow and there was also something quite uncanny about the cries of these dogs because as you'd expect they are supernatural dogs and we are told that the nearer these dogs were to mankind the fainter were their voices but the farther away the louder they sounded so the closer they get to you the quieter their cries are Maybe lulling you into a false sense of security because it sounds like you finally escaped them you've shaken them off and they are moving away from you but in fact they are just about to pounce And when I say pounce, that does mean in a literal sense as well, because not only could these hounds, could all of these creatures out and about on the wild hunt serve as omens of death. Their cries could signal death, but at the same time, they could physically harm you. And to continue in welsh mythology Aaron the king of the underworld and his dogs were accused of sometimes doing harm to mortals and they were supposed to inflict perpetual torment on disembodied spirits who were doomed to everlasting wanderings on earth or in air and if that wasn't enough it continues by saying in welsh folklore these dogs when heard in packs prophesied disaster and doom to ancient families, and to the peasantry, misfortune, calamity, or death. So, all in all, these dogs are pretty bad news. They can travel on land, they can travel on air wherever you go they will creep up on you and pounce and they can attack you physically and fail in that just hearing that howl is a sign of all manner of impending badness like misfortune calamity or death which frankly is pretty bad or death and not just to you but to the wider population and An important word I'd like to go back to that was mixed up in all those warnings of badness that might befall you as a result of these dogs is PAX, the word packs is used to describe a group of these dogs, a pack of these dogs. And the reason that word has been used is because up until this point, we have been focusing on the wild hunt, which these dogs are a part of. Packs of these dogs are a part of the wild hunt. However, they were not restricted to hunt nights only. They could pop up at any time and they were not restricted to packs so if you are hoping to avoid them if your cunning plan to avoid these hellhounds was to stay indoors on the specific nights when they are out hunting to stay indoors on halloween or saint john's eve or whatever night it might be sadly that is not going to work because they can pop up effectively on any night of the year and they can pop up alone and we are told that if they are heard singularly if they are heard on their own just one dog it always denoted sickness and death And it turns out you're actually much more likely to see them on their own or in smaller groups, at least, than in these big packs. Because we are told, again, that seldom to the main procession nights, they were seldom seen in whole packs. But smaller parties of them were frequently encountered. Frequently encountered smaller parties of three or seven or nine. And, of course, sometimes just the one of them. Because we are told that sometimes a stray dog wandered from the pack and prowled the countryside howling near comfortable homesteads or in the grounds of castles and ancient manor houses so these dogs are not owned by sensible owners they are not kept on a lead or a leash at all times these dogs are free to wander and sometimes they do just that off they go to start howling on the grounds of castles and ancient manor houses and when they do you know that something bad is coming to the ancient families or not-so-ancient families unfortunate enough to live inside. And if you're thinking at this point, well, this is all well and good. All this theory about what might hypothetically happen if these packs of dogs or single dogs happen to pop along to your home. But in reality, what if anything goes on? Well, it just so happens that the humble folklorists from times gone by have indeed compiled a collection of such encounters of the good people or maybe the bad people of Wales coming across these dogs in the wild and what follows is a selection of those accounts and we're going to start right at the top of wales in lovely anis morn to the isle of anglesey where there's a story of an evil fisherman who was supposed to brew storms he could brew up a storm on the seas suggesting he had some kind of magical powers who was chased by the coon anun into the sea and was never seen again afterwards so, let that be a lesson to any evil fishermen or fisherwomen thinking of brewing up storms. Supernatural dogs will get you. Moving on to our second story, which comes to us from Merionethshire, as it was then, but we're still up in the, the northwest of Wales for this one. And it's the story of a girl who, having lost her way among the Berwyn Mountains, fell in with a pack of these hounds, which, frankly, is the last thing you want to happen. There you are enjoying a nice walk in the wild Welsh mountains. And before you know it, you're there. You've fallen in with a pack of of slobbering well they might not have been slobbering that's artistic license but possibly slobbering hellhounds what are the chances but this is a serious matter so i shouldn't joke because she was only saved from death yes death by repeating the lord's prayer over and over again until these creatures ran away so If this story is to be believed, it suggests a link, a very popular link in Welsh folklore, between the other world of Welsh mythology, which is where these dogs come from, the Coon Anun, and the underworld of Christianity, of hell. Because this girl was able to save her life because she was a good christian just like most of the population back in the good old days and she could recite the lord's prayer now if these dogs had no connection with christianity that prayer would presumably have been worthless but the fact that it did the trick does suggest that by by this point in time at least anyway christianity has very much been woven into these tales and is the power for good against the power of evil now moving on to our third story which takes place in the beautiful Vale of Cloyd. And just to clarify, that is a quote there, although I agree, the Vale of Cloyd is indeed beautiful. But folklore tells us that in the beautiful Vale of Cloyd, where an Englishman was nearly killed by the Coon Anun and gladly made his escape from Wales, afterwards saying its demons were the curse of the country. And, and, and there's quite a lot to unpack then in, in a very short story. But an Englishman in Wales was attacked by these dogs. He flees Wales as a result. And, and who can blame him, I guess, under the circumstances. And he says it's a country full of demons. And again, the mention of demons does, of course, suggest a Christian connection, this strong link between folklore and Christianity. But it also points to all manner of tensions between the English and the Welsh in the 19th century, which, frankly, is a much bigger topic than the kind of nonsense I talk about on this podcast. It's probably a little bit beyond the scope of this episode. But nevertheless, it's an interesting added element to bear in mind. Let's just say this particular Englishman probably didn't hurry up and book any holidays in Wales after these events. And moving on to our next account, which is in modern day Gwyneth, we're going to Aberdaron, which had a pack of these dogs, we are told, that pursued a clergyman who, from the pulpit one Sunday, denounced all smugglers as children of Beelzebub. He denounced all smugglers as children of Beelzebub which as we'll discover is something you should never do by all accounts do not associate smugglers if they're powerful smugglers as many of them were back in the day with the lord of hell himself because and I'm assuming it's not a coincidence it was after this anti-smuggling sermon that he was pursued by the hellhounds and we are told that as a result As he travelled home from neighbouring villages on several occasions, the kun Anun chased this unfortunate clergyman and harried him so much, he gladly promised not to preach against smugglers anymore. So let that be a lesson to any clergyman or clergywoman, of course, thinking of giving a sermon against the illegal transportation of contraband goods. Your words might come back to bite you. Or, or in this case, a snarling hellhound might come back to bite you. Either way, you might get bitten. And... As with the previous story about the Englishman, I think this one does also open itself to further questioning that probably goes beyond the scope of this podcast again. I mean, I'm just thinking about: should a clergyman really be bowing down to the pressure of criminals? I mean, what would what would Jesus do? Jesus would surely stand up to these smugglers. But again, that's a debate for another day because we're going to move on to Montgomery. This time, again, as it was, where another pack of kun anun but this time accompanied by their master by Aaron, was said to have their kennels in the recesses of plin limon the highest point of the cambrian mountains and to quote they frequented these hounds frequented a deep ravine on the road to Sanvartheta Hangel Nant Melan, and many stories were formally told about the depredations they accomplished in the neighborhood of old and new Radna So, no real examples of the kind of shenanigans these dogs were getting up to there. But nevertheless, we can assume they were not getting up to any good. And it wasn't just in and around these mountains. If this isn't enough places yet where these dogs have been encountered, we are told, in fact, that all the dreary valleys of South Wales, and again, just to be crystal clear, that is a quote. We had the beautiful Vale of Cloyd, but now we've got the dreary valleys of... Of south Wales, and as far as I'm concerned, they are all beautiful. But nevertheless, the dreary valleys of South Wales were supposed to be haunted by these hounds, which frankly is a big lump of land. They are all over the south, but there are some places in particular that are celebrated for these mysterious visitants, and they are the Vale of Taff above Cardiff, on the Rhondda Valley, and the Vale of Neath. And if you aren't familiar with Wales and with these, these, These areas, let's just say, that's a lot of ground that they cover. Now, moving on to the Vale of Glamorgan, which wasn't just mentioned in that long list, but is in the south and is not getting away with it, I'm afraid. But in the Vale of Glamorgan in Llyswarni, and it was in the vicinity of these creatures' haunts that people so late as 40 years ago, so we're talking about the late 1800s now, people spoke in the Vale of Glamorgan with bated breath of Entwistle and his pack of phantom hounds, tearing along the road near malborough grange and nash manor in fact it was gravely stated in the locality that if any unlucky persons coming late home from market chanced to fall in the way of these hounds their clothes would be torn to pieces they were left almost for dead and the next morning it was only just possible for them to crawl home And if that wasn't terrifying enough, there's a cheeky little footnote here because we are told that doubtless, these spirits had to bear the blame for many a drunken brawl or Midnight Orgy of the Long Ago. And as I've said before, it's always reassuring to know that the folklorists of old can be just as cynical as some of us nowadays that when we hear these stories of these hounds from hell that rip people's clothes to shreds and leave them for dead after they've been out getting merry all day and all night. Is that really what happened? Or are they just a convenient excuse for a drunken brawl or a midnight orgy, which may or may not mean what you may or may not think it means. Let's just say those words have evolved a little since they were written down at the time, which I think is a good moment to bring us to the final account, because I want to wrap things up with what I think is the strangest sighting of all all and this one once more is in the Vale of Glamorgan you're really not getting away with this Vale of Glamorgan near Wilton Crossways where a roadway we are told is haunted by a terrible coal black dog with eyes like balls of fire this creature is said to follow people like a footpad and to snarl and howl if a person halts or looks backwards and that isn't even the strange sighting I meant. I mean, don't get me wrong, it is pretty strange sounding, this coal black dog with eyes like balls of fire that snarls and howls and stares and follows people and all the rest of it. But this wasn't the only spirit hound, as they refer to it, frequent in the area. Poor old Vale of Glamorgan. There was an other Kind of spirit hound haunting the area. In fact, we are told that so late as a few years ago. And again, bear in mind, we're talking about a century ago, but even so in relatively recent times, you know, we're not talking centuries and centuries and centuries ago, we're talking maybe the early 1900s here. And this other spirit hound, this second spirit hound, is described as having half of its body, the top half of its body, in semi-human form. The top half of its body is in semi-human form, while the other half, the bottom half, the lower limbs, were those of a light-spotted dog. Yes, were those of a light-spotted dog so you you might be a little confused at this point i was just as confused as well when i first came across this account but let's start with the easier part to get our head around so the bottom half of this spirit hound is that of a light spotted dog i think that part is not too difficult for us to visualize but the upper half was semi human form. Which suggests that it was, or is, if it's still out there, somewhere in the Vale of Glamorgan. But it was half Human, like a werewolf caught mid transformation, and a werewolf, of course, that isn't transforming into a wolf, but rather it's transforming into a dog, a light spotted dog, which, granted, does take some of the terror out of it. A werewolf definitely sounds scarier than a were spotty dog, but nevertheless, there's a little bit more to the description. I haven't finished yet, and we are told that the eyes were large like moons and sometimes smoke came out of their mouth very diabolical or maybe they were a secret smoker but either way smoke came out of their mouth this animal made unearthly howlings and glared fiercely rendering people senseless with his glances the eyes alone were enough to reduce people to gibbering wrecks. That's how scary this not-very-scary-sounded half-man, half-spotty-dog creature was. Those eyes alone could make you crumble. And what I particularly like about this story is that I've done quite a few episodes now. Well, well, well over a 100 episodes now. And you do think, at what point am I going to run out of original... Interesting new things to talk about. And on the last episode, we had the story of the ghost of a tomb, which I think was certainly a first for this podcast and probably a first for any podcast podcast because let's be honest who else is going to talk about this rubbish besides me and i think on this episode we found another creature i don't know of many other people out there who would be brave enough to introduce the world to the very real concept that we exist on the same planet as half man half spotty dog creatures A creature that is so strange, it's half dog, it's half man, it's got big eyes like moons, it's having a cheeky cigarette or there's smoke coming out of its mouth, and it howls and it barks and it glares and it's just wonderfully, wonderfully bonkers. And it's probably going to take me a while to top that one. So I think this is a great place to wrap up another episode of the Ghosts and Folklore podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and you haven't already, please consider pressing the subscribe button and you will never miss an episode ever. If you really enjoyed it and you'd like to support the podcast, you can review it, you can rate it, you can tell your friends about it. And if you really, really liked it, you can treat me to a coffee via my website, which is always very much appreciated. If you'd like more ghosts and folklore, you can follow me on social media. And as well as this podcast, I've written a number of books about similar weird and wonderful subjects which are available from all good bookshops offline and on. And on that note, it just leaves me to say thank you very much for listening. Dioch and Varion Amrando. I've been Mark Rice. This has been my Ghosts and Folklore podcast beaming to you from Wales to the world. And remember... If you do find yourself staying out a little bit too late at night, maybe you've had one too many shandies, you've lost a track of time. And if things get out of hand, if there's some kind of mischief, if there's fisticuffs or some other unexpected event, and you arrive home late looking a little bit dishevelled, fear not, just blame it on the hounds of hell. Until next time. Nostar.